Welcome to Hellcats Podcast, where we discuss holistic cat nutrition and behavior. I'm Eggs. And I'm Kate. And today we'll be discussing transitioning foods and introducing foods. Introducing foods or just transitioning foods today? A uh, little, little column A, a little column B. Perfect, perfect. All right. Intro music by Louise. The track is off the path. See uh, show notes to support them. They dope. Yeah. Thanks, Louise. Okay, this is another episode where I'm like, ah, I can't wait to talk about this. I'm so like, this is one of my favorite things. Is there ever going to be an episode where we're like, I just, it's whatever. Like, probably. (laughs) Probably. We are always like, this is the most exciting topic we've ever talked about. Yeah. Well, I mean, this entire podcast is exhilarating. It's true. We have, we have uh, season one energy right now. Yeah, I'm loving it. And yeah, I mean, in this episode, it is another one of those episodes that can be like a multi-part one. So today, I think we're just going to do like surface level um, chats about it. Yeah, basics. And then if you go to our Patreon, I'm sure you can unlock some bonus content. Yeah, go check it out. Check it out now. Link, link in in show notes, link in bio. You link can find bio. it. Up, you can find it wherever Hellcats podcast is sold. Yeah. All right, eggs. When's the last time you inspected the guaranteed analysis? Well, funnily enough, I have it right in front of me. <laughs> but before I had it right in front of me, um, it had been it had been a minute since I've looked at the guaranteed analysis. Um, but I guess we should, yeah, talk about like what that is. So the guaranteed analysis is something it's actually, is it established by AFCO or the FDA? AFCO would make sense. But when I looked it up, put that little clip together, it's, it was from the FDA. Okay. So yeah, there are different regulating and also these things change. So there's different regulating bodies for pet food, um, the FDA and then, um, AFCO, which is, the organization that basically kind of creates policy and rules about pet, but also just general animal feed, nutrition, things like that. So the guaranteed analysis um, states that at a minimum, many state regulators require a pet food to guarantee the minimum percentages of crude protein and crude fat and the maximum percentages of crude fiber and moisture. The term crude refers to the specific method of testing the product, not the quality of the nutrient itself. Um, So basically what that means is that um, there's three numbers that we're looking at when we're looking at pet food composition, which is protein, fat, and fiber. Um, And... That's I mean, moisture, moisture, moisture is one too. of the big things on there too. Yeah. But. So, and moisture, we'll kind of get into like what that means when you're looking at dry food. That's not um, a super important number because it's dry. It's like it has to be under a certain amount because it's it's dry food and it can't rot. Um, mm-hmm. And then wet foods, it's a little bit different. So the way we're going to be talking about this today, and we'll kind of get into down the road a little bit more about guaranteed analysis. We'll have some more episodes about transitioning food, but the way we're going to be like kind of talking about food introductions and and transitions today is around like if you're transitioning between the same food type, so dry to dry, wet to wet, like 
<laughs> we're not getting into the complicated math and and the feeding schedule for like if you're transitioning your cat from dry to wet. We'll we'll handle that on a part two. That'll be an episode of itself. Yeah, that's going to be the well, whole thing. And so I think, too, I just wanted to note that the reason we wanted to do this episode about food transition is because I think there's this weird, like, stigma around, like, this is what your cat eats. This is what your dog eats. That's what you feed them. That's it. Anytime I've switched my food, they get diarrhea or, you know, and it's like a big thing and it's. I'm never feeding X food ever again. And it's like, well, there's, let's figure out the reason why and let's figure out a, like, a safe and easy way to transition so the cat's not puking or shitting or, you know, whatevering. Right. Like I take it away, eggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when we're coming back to that guaranteed analysis, basically when you're looking at a bag of food, we'll just say a bag of dry food for an example. Um Anytime you're seeing, like you're looking at that protein, fat, fiber number, if any of those numbers, especially like for fat and really for fiber are, is it everything? Everything. Okay. I think. If if the difference in those numbers is like more or less than a 3% difference, that's a sign that we want to, you know, have a longer transition period on a food or, you know, take some time because- Radical differences in protein, fat, and fiber levels um, can cause some of those disruptions, as it were. Um, And I'll let Kate talk a little bit more about what that could look like. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was going back through because I had – it's so funny about the guaranteed analysis, too, because before I started working at the place, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like – it never occurred to me to consider the protein or fat levels of like my animal's food. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, basically to, to go back onto what eggs was saying too, if a lot of brands have a similar guaranteed analysis, so you can switch back and forth without, you know, worry about puking and runny poops and all of that. So a lot of cats who have only eaten one food will only know that food to be food. Like that's the only thing that they've been taught is edible, consumable. And this is why variety is just really important, especially at a young age. I forget how young it is that kittens um, like set their preferences or whatever. I mean, I think it's like weeks. Yeah, it's like I think it's like 16 weeks around there which is like wild because at four months old they're like this is food it's all i eat now yep yeah this is what i know that's (laughs) that's why a lot of people have have issues with like my cat refuses any other food and it's like well they don't think it's food for some reason you dumb why are your cats so stupid (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so um variety at a young age is key and and it's one of those things like not only will this help them have like a more excited and varied balanced diet but my thing too is like what if that food gets discontinued what if there's some sort of food shortage working at the place it was just like people yelling i'm not like really yelling but getting really upset when this food was out of stock and it's like bitch i work in retail for like nine dollars an hour and i it's i i have nothing to do with this (laughs) 
feed a different fucking fan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people get really attached to wanting to do the same thing. And it's just like beyond just the the health reasons to free, feed a variety of foods. I mean, it's like look at kind of like what we're dealing with now with like supply chain issues and stuff like that. It's Where's you- all the cream cheese? <laughs> Where's the fucking cream cheese? Exactly. My girlfriend sent me to the grocery store and there's only jalapeno left. Guess what? We don't like spicy stuff. Well, I don't. I just wanted some fucking strawberry cream cheese. (laughs) Yeah. So if they don't have the, you know, the strawberry cream cheese of of cat food that you're looking for, then you're going to have to (laughs) try something else, which means having different types, having different things you can try. Um, knowing that 3% rule is really helpful because if you know what the those percentages are, you can probably find a food that's very similar to those levels and, you know, do a little transition, do a little swap. This is another reason why, ooh, waiting, don't wait until that bag is empty to go buy your next bag of food mm-hmm. because if you do end up having to buy something new or even better if you decide to try something new with your cat Ooh. you'll have a little bit to do um the mixy mixy that we do when we transition foods yeah how do you how well, i was gonna say like you don't you don't feed any dry like how many spare bags do you have? I have, I have, I have like little sample bags and stuff that I've gotten along the way, but I usually feed those to the crows, not my cats. <laughs> I'm so jealous of your crows. I miss my crow bros, dude. Yeah, they love cat food. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um. Oh yeah, and I also like. I mean, you have to think too. Not. All animals are super sensitive. Some are overbred breeds, maybe like Frenchies, maybe more prone to every issue in the book. Um, I mean, we're talking about cats here, but you know, um, but yeah, so I mean, if you if you're looking at the guaranteed analysis and it's like 27% protein, I don't even, I can't, yeah, I mean, I would say. I would say like one of the biggest things you're going to see in cat food is that cat a lot of cat foods tend to be higher protein just that's due to like the their biology and what they're meant to eat. Mm-hmm. And so if you were feeding like just a more general like grocery brand that's maybe yeah like maybe the proteins around like 27 or 30 um and then if you like were to check out one of like the souped up you know, super higher protein, like that's at 40% or something. Oof. 13% difference is going to wreck you. Yeah. You're going to have a situation on your hands. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it seems like, you know, switching cats food should be a no brainer, but there's lots of things to consider when we're, when we're introducing new foods. So, um, because cats don't have, um, their sense of smell is like pretty good, but uh, it's not it's not like as good as other senses. So texture is really important for them, like mm-hmm. having um, they might have a preference. So if it's wet food, they might like pâtés or they might like chunky stuff or mousse or shredded or you can get like those little snacky tubies now that are like really liquidy cat food. That's in like a little little tiny pouch. Um 
Yeah. Or if it's dry food, you know, there's different shapes that encourage them to like bite it or it'll be a smaller pellet that's intended for them to just be able to kind of swallow it because P.S. Cats don't really chew their food, y'all. They don't it's chew just, their food. They swallow it. They swallow it. That's why like when you see your cat throw up their food and it's like the little log of 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 little chunks all stuck together and like in the little bolus that has emerged from their gut. Um, yeah. yeah, they just swallow it. They eat like me. Like, I'm my like, cat never chooses food. I don't chew my food either. I get it. I'm like a snake. <laughs> I'm like a snake. I can eat so fast. It's horrifying. I can't go. It's embarrassing when I go out to dinner with people or if I'm at like a family dinner because they'll be like, serve yourself first. I'm like, I have to go last. If I serve myself first, I'll be done with my food before people even have their plates full. Uh-huh. It's embarrassing how quickly I eat. I blame. I blame working having only 15 minute breaks working in the service industry when I was 15 yep. and it was like or 16 and I was like I have to eat this burger and have time to enjoy a cigarette so yeah absolutely <laughs> dude <laughs> two minutes okay, okay. it is <laughs> so textures very important also and let me touch to that too because um I don't know if you ever had anyone be like my cat doesn't like chicken and I was like well, what have you tried and they're like this one thing and I'm like was it pate or like what? Because it's it's mostly it's more so going to be a texture preference. Um, but spice it up, spice up your life. Try novel proteins. Um, do you know that they make like kangaroo cat mm. food? I still think that's really cool. I, know. I don't know. I think it's and really like, cool. I think Americans think it's sad because they don't realize that kangaroos are like a pest. Yeah. In Australia. Yeah. People, they're like our, like kind of the way we feel about deer. Like it's kind of like, oh, it's sad because it's like a big animal. You don't like to see it, but like they're everywhere. Like, yeah, but this is ruining everything in my life. So, but yeah. um, And then uh, rabbits too. I think Franny was telling me that one of the companies, like how it was explained to me slash how I remember was like they would just send people out. And on these farms to like hunt the rabbits because they were destroying crops. Mm-hmm. So it's like they helped yeah. the farmers and then they made cat food out of Yeah, it. there's some really innovative brands um, that like especially ones like foods that are produced in like New Zealand. Um, mm-hmm. They often have like pretty they're like really on the cutting edge of like sustainability when it t- comes to like any protein yeah. they're featuring. It's like a pest animal that's like, you know, like wreaking havoc on. I think there was one brand for a while that was like using like eel and it's because uh-huh. they're invasive to the coral reefs and stuff. And so there's all these different, you know, not everyone, but there's lots of brands out there that are really bringing it when it comes to like proteins that are sustainable, pest animals that are going to get eradicated no matter what. And like, at least they're getting a purpose in pet food. And um, yeah, those novel proteins can be good for expanding variety. Or if you have like a, you know, let's maybe you have a problem. I'm sure you know, if you've been working with any type of food allergy, which is a whole other conversation, but (laughs) having, having some novel proteins that you can try, um, you don't have to run out right away to try the kangaroo, but yeah. it's good to have some options. Well, also, are... like, have you seen factory farms? Have you seen mm. like what a like chicken joint looks like? Like that is far more terrifying to me <laughs> than the idea of like kangaroo. Like, because <laughs> yeah, all right, 
onward and outward. Yes. So temperature is important. So um, imagine what a cat would eat, even a domesticated cat, not talking about big wild cats, but like if a domesticated cat is hunting, the things they're eating are like the temperature of the mouse that they would kill, right? They would eat something fresh um, that's, you know, around that sort of body temperature. And so if their food is like really cold or it's been put in the fridge or stuff, that can affect um, palatability because generally um, lower temperatures impact palatability for anybody that can taste. That's why ice cream is always <laughs> like they put a lot of sugar in it because mm-hmm. once something's frozen, it just doesn't taste as sweet to us because we don't have it's not the ideal it's the ideal temperature for ice cream, but it's not the ideal temperature for like getting all the flavors and and things on your palate. So that's why I need caramel swirl and yeah. cookie dough and peanut butter. You got to get those inclusions. <laughs> you got to have those inclusions. They're a little bit warmer than the rest of the ice cream. Got to have. And obviously this applies to uh, wet, wet food when we're talking about Yeah, wet food. And, you don't and need to microwave like your kibble. Oh, my God, though. I have to tell you that my cats are so spoiled because uh, my mom was, like, watching her cats very well-intentioned. She felt bad that the raw food was cold, and so she put it in the <gasps> microwave for them. No! <laughs> and I was like... But it's raw food. <laughs> like, it's raw. And now it's not raw anymore because it got cooked in the microwave a little bit. But yeah. it was very cute and sweet. And I'm sure my cats wish that uh, their granny was around to microwave their food <laughs> for them every day. But no. Oh, dear Lord. Maybe maybe no. No, it doesn't need to go in the microwave. Just, you know. No. And, like, you know, if cats are really picky and you have some flexibility in the budget, like, getting those smaller cans that are closer to, like, a serving is good. Like, if you get a big can and they only eat the first portion because they don't like it cold from sitting in the fridge, just get those littler cans. Um, Yeah. There's almost nothing I feel like my cats won't eat at this point. Same. I mean, I'll take a can out of the kitchen and I usually put the electric tea kettle on and like heat it up because, I mean, Mm -hmm. this podcast is mostly about dry food, but we're going to, you know, do a little wet food pitch. But like I'll be getting Timber's food together and she'll be jumping on the counter eating the cold food out of the can before I can even (laughs) get her shit together. Um, Yeah. So... Size and shape of kibble. You kind of touched on that. And and I I was remembering too, like there <laughs> I'm trying to think, I mean, we we can't name drop, but like there was a, a brand of food that like catered to like certain like breeds of cats yeah. or whatever. And so it's like the only real difference here is the shape. Cause if you have a squishy face. It's going to be harder for them to eat like small flat discs. Yeah, because like, how do you get that into the little flat little mouth? I can't little, get it. And their tongues, like the so the squishy face, the brachycephalic cats, their tongues actually like go the opposite way out of their mouth too. Like Freaks. instead of like <laughs> scooping like this, they like scoop like this. What? 
Yeah. And like, I realize you can't see what I'm talking about, but what I'm, what I'm saying for people, for the listeners who cannot see me right now, I got to remember this is audio only instead of like making like a traditional scoop where it's like coming from the bottom up and the tongue is kind of like, yeah, scooping it up. It's like a it's like the, limp wristing. The, yeah, limp wristing where it's like coming over and like <laughs> uh if I could think of the name of like a you know backhoe. A, a back, yes, it? exactly. Is it's backhoeing it and I think so. <laughs> backhoeing it in the mouth. I don't know. Get at that me. Sounds... Get at me, Home Depot employees. What am I what do I what am I missing about major machinery here? But yeah, their faces oh. like they do their tongues work differently. And so for our little squishy, squishy friends. Um, yeah, it's just like a, it's d- you know, different kibbles that they can actually pick up with their tongue. Their freak tongues. So cute though. But you pay They're for that cute. squish. Boy, mm-hmm. do you pay for it. <laughs> oh my God. Kate was like wanting to get kittens or something and had found this like Maine Coon mix and she had messaged the people about it and they actually had a, a uh, male and female they were siblings and Kate's like oh yeah interested and the person's like yeah the female's 1000 and the male is 1200 and I'll give them to you both for two grand with a $500 non-refundable like holding fee and I'm like it just again another topic for another day but it baffles me that I'm like how many fucking cat we have a lot of cats. Yeah. I'm assuming if you're charging this, you're breeding them. Like, it's just, it's just like wild to me. It's just wild to me. Yeah. I don't know. It's like one I'm, of those I really, spaces. It's the Wild West, truly. Like, there, I'm not saying there aren't. I don't want to get the breeders up on me. I know there's plenty of, like, know, responsible breeders. <laughs> like, that's a very personal opinion type of thing. We'll probably get into it at some point and talk about our opinions. But, like... There for every responsible breeder, there are so many jokers out there that are just mm. like selling cats like that they're not getting. It's just like it's just like they didn't get their cat spayed. Their cat had kittens and they're like, someone will buy them. Yeah. Off, you know, Craigslist or whatever. And yeah, it's 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 wild to me. It's wild to me. Like I live in a region where pet adoption is very common and it's like almost hard to find dogs because mm. they run out. They get so many yeah. get adopted, but that is not that's not the case. Or anyway. where I'm at now with like the shelter I follow was like, please someone foster these dogs. We have two hundred dogs in crates lying down the yeah. hallway. Yeah. You gotta get those dogs to a coast. <laughs> Maybe not yeah. Certain parts of the coast. Somewhere. Somewhere. But basically, like, because of those different levels, you know, those changes in fat, changes in protein, changes in fiber, switching a pet's food too quickly can cause digestive upset. And so that's why you want to look at that guaranteed analysis, examine the levels, and if it's greater, you know, if it's greater than 3% the food you're transitioning to, you want to consider a longer time period for that. Oh, the the example I give is like, imagine being vegan for 10 years. I was. And then just like binging on milkshakes and steak. Like your body is not equipped to process that. It 
I mean, and some people might be fine. And then other people might be like shitting their brains out for a week or constipated for a week. I, like it, either way, it's going to wreck you. I have a question. So tangent, sorry, um, because I was also vegan for about 10 years and then vegetarian for a little bit longer. Do you remember the first thing <laughs> as ex-vegans? The, the, peop- the, the people are yeah. love the most, ex-vegans, chaotic energy. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you remember the first thing you ate? Yeah. So, I mean, it was especially big because I was in Mexico for three weeks and I was like just fucking eating beans and rice. It was so boring. And like the people I with, we were just like smoking a pack of cigarettes a day and drinking margaritas all day and just like going out to all these beautiful, like nice restaurants. And I was just like, why? I mean, I know why I went vegan. Like I was like, but why am I? like not allowing myself to enjoy these moments with these people that I love and this place that I'm in. And so it was like this fucking fancy like crab dinner. I don't I don't even know what all was there because there was so much, <laughs> but it was just like we were sitting on this like patio and the sun was setting and it was just like it was beautiful. You were like please tell a- me you had like hot pockets or something. Okay, I will. <laughs> What's funny is so, spoiler alert, you were there. Oh, yeah. I know um, what it was. So it was, we, like, I went up to meet up with you for an open mic, and then it turned into a night of drinking. <laughs> and then Whoops, we ended me. up going to Dick's and getting burgers. And oh, that was yeah. the first meet I had. I mean, up to that point, though, like, I, like, I transitioned. I went from vegan to vegetarian, and I was, like, Guys, I was craving blood. Like that's <laughs> I was craving blood and that's part of the reason I started eating meat again. And now I'm in a weird space. You know, I'm now in a weird space where animal protein textures are really bugging me lately, but same. Here we'll we are. It's later. a cycle. <laughs> it's a whole yeah, this is a this is like a bonus. This is bonus episode content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Check out our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> um okay, so yeah, if you're vegan and then you just binge on a bunch of animal products and dairy and meats, yeah, it's going to kind of ruin you. So consider um, pumpkin. Pumpkin is dope. Also, it makes food like kind of exciting. Not all cats like that, though. Um, there's also like digestive enzymes that are pretty cool. I would like to do a, some sort of thing about the magic. Were you there when I did like the oatmeal and pour the digestive enzymes? Mm. And I had the, I had it. So I had a bowl of oatmeal, two bowls, and then I put the enzymes in one and it liquefied the oatmeal. Mm. And it was just like super cool cool to be like, that's how it works. Like it helps your body break it down. So your body's working less and it helps absorb it. Like everybody should be taking digestive enzymes that was like that we always (laughs) at the place one of in our libraries and our stores we had this one book about digestive enzymes and it was like my favorite book it was it was so good yeah uh yeah we should we should do a, a thing about that um and another thing i wanted to touch on too something to consider about barf So if your cat is puking up like a new or a novel food, um, it might not be an issue of allergies. 
So, you know, I've, I've had people come in and be like, oh, I tried this food and my cat threw it up. And I was like, what did the puke look like? And then they'd look at me like, why are you asking about my cat's puke? And they would say, oh, it was like chunks of whole food. And I said, it's probably not that they're allergic to it. They probably ate it too fast. Probably because they were excited because it was like something new and like novel to them. Um, and I know that kind of contradicts what we're saying about some cats. Um, are really picky and like won't eat new foods, but not all cats are the same. Some cats are hog babies like mine. I think that my cats are mostly inspired by competition because there's three of them and they're like, if I don't eat it, somebody else will. Uh (laughs) So Uh they're on it. Yeah. But yeah, just, just consider that, that if the food is undigested, then it's just likely that they're eating it too fast. So yeah, they're not allergic to chicken. So now we're going to talk about some tips on getting cats to eat a new food. So one of the things you can do is just like make them work for it. Make it exciting. That's another way to add novelty. So small cats in the wild would eat about eight to 10 small meals throughout the day, which means that they're like kind of constantly in this hunt cycle. Um, So they where they basically they go out and hunt and that's like their exercise and stimulation they eat they groom themselves and then they sleep and we'll get so much more into that cycle later it's going to be the greatest episode my favorite episode yeah. <laughs> on the record favorite episode yes um but yeah and that means that like they get the exercise they need and then they eat and that's just sort of their natural rhythm so like um yeah, like doing some playtime before they eat and then they kind of kick into their thing. And and even if you're like, let's say you work, you know, you work outside the house, you're like, well, I don't have the, a way to do that during the day. Um, even just finding ways to like break it up into smaller meals, like mm-hmm. people think I'm crazy because my cats eat four meals a day <laughs> and it does make it a little bit more complicated when we have to have them cat sit, you know, cat sat because it's just a little bit more work. but. My cats, like if somebody comes over and is lazy and feeds them an extra big meal because they're like, it's going to I'm not going to be back for a while. I'm like, please don't. They're just going to pee that up and it's going to be a mess for me when I come home. (laughs) Just feed them a little bit and they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, Stop trying to be helpful. (laughs) So I don't know if this is like a kosher thing to do, but when I had Kazi. And I would introduce a new food to her and she would just look at it, sniff it and walk away. I would just scoop her back up and put her back in front of the bowl and she would sniff it twice and then walk away. And I would just <laughs> scoop her up and put her back in front of the bowl. And I would do it like three times and then she would eventually eat it. And I don't know if it was like she was being like, oh, you're telling me that this is my food because this is where I usually eat my food and it's in the bowl that where I usually eat my food. And she needed some like reassurance or I don't know if that's animal cruelty, but it worked. For we'll me. find out. <laughs> Someone will let us you know. know. Someone's going to hit us up and we'll find out. But I I think that, you know, I think it's also like it depends on your depends on what you're dealing with. Right. Like I have my one of my cats is like, don't touch her. She's super sensitive. She's like, don't mess with me. She's a tort. We have two torts. It's one of the torts, obviously. Um, and. And yeah, she just she wouldn't abide. But then our boy would just be like, yeah, pick me up. Pick me. Where do you want me? Anyways, follow boy, little follow boy. Um, 
And the other thing I wanted to mention, just kind of on the technical side of transitioning, is you want to like gradually introduce a new food. I mean, it's always a good idea, even if it's like pretty much the same guaranteed analysis, those same levels. Um, mixing it or putting like you know a little bit of the old food on top of the new food, and it's it's pretty easy. It's just like remember quarters. So like the first day is like three quarters of the old food, a quarter of the new food. And then do that for a day or two, then half and half, or, you know, you can do it over three or four days and then one quarter old food and then all new food. And that'll sort of help if you're worried about those digestive system, like digestive upsets or um, just if it's a really big difference in the fat or protein or fiber levels, you just want to do that so that they can get their little bodies adjusted to it. Because when you're making the transition from you know, soy nuggets to real nuggets could be a thing. Even if it's Eater not. beware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much the gist of transitioning food and introducing new foods. Um, and, yeah, it's the, the biggest, I think, takeaway, one of the biggest takeaways, I guess, is, like, it's okay and encouraged to vary what you feed your cat. Yes. It is <laughs> okay. It is not a bad thing. Like you, yeah. It, and if anything, the earlier you can do it, the better. Um, before, you know, they develop any weird digestive things or like, you know, there's certainly like if, you're, if your cat has some debilitating digestive issues like mega colon or something, you know, that's when you want to talk to your vet about like what a food transition could look like or because I know that stuff can really there's certainly some conditions out there that can make this kind of thing not as easy or variety could be um, a little too spicy for a for a simple gut. But for most cats, for most healthy cats, um, you're going to be totally fine and it's going to be great because they're going to get to eat a variety of new things and try new things and you know, just make sure they're getting all the appropriate trace nutrients and minerals. Like that's why we eat a variety of foods because you can make sure you're getting all those nutrients from different places and it's the same thing for them. And one other thing oh, on the topic of, um, God, we, this will have to be for the cat puke episode, but it's just like, I'm thinking about like when you're, when you try a new food or something and like the cat throws it up, cats like hold grudges, you know? Mm -hmm. So like they think that food is like evil and like maybe they <laughs> ate it too fast and yeah. then they threw up and they're like, I'm never touching that food yeah. again. If it gave them a you know? tummy ache, then they might not yeah. want it. <laughs> it's like so, everyone has that when they were a kid, right? Where you ate whatever food you remember eating and then you got like a stomach flu or something and then you puked everywhere and you're like i'm never eating macaroni and cheese again because that's what no, i remember eating no more throwing. mike's hard lemonade i know and you're done potato chips it is it is the tequila rule i believe what's the tequila rule i think it's just like once you get sick on tequila you can kind of never drink it again like it just seems to be one of those alcohols like People will get sick, you know, after drinking vodka or after drinking beer. But tequila really, like, there's something about mm. the smell, I think, that really imprints. And, like, I don't drink tequila since college. Because See, I, that's... It does not appeal to me flavor-wise mm. anymore. Because I'm just like, that 
yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's just not it's not a good flavor anymore. That's that's kind of me with gin. I can't like smell gin without imagining my head in a toilet bowl. Gin is like gin is divisive. I I have so many thoughts. That's all that's a whole other episode is my thoughts about yeah, indeed. Gin is gin is dangerous. For, gin is a vibe. Gin, gin is a vibe. I love it, but it makes me crazy. Let's just say that. All right. Looking forward to that episode. <laughs> I like to call it being gin-vincible. Um, Ayo! <laughs> wow. What an episode today. If you have any questions about food transitioning or introduction to new foods, um, hit us up. Yeah. Let us we know can, what your, you, your cues. We'll give you some A's. Or, oh, I love it. That was really cute. <laughs> Hellcatspod at gmail.com. We're on the Insta. It's looking pretty cute, I would say. Oh, yeah. It's a very good the vibe. Flow We're on the really Instagram. I, Did you see? <laughs> if people even look at grids anymore, but go check out that grid because it's yeah. incredible. And then, yeah, hit us up on uh, Patreon where we're going to have lots of bonus content. Figure out, find out why eggs is Ginvincible. Yeah, was- all, all that and more. All <laughs> that, that and more, more on the other side of the paywall. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, But are we wrapping up? Yeah, that I think was- we're good. Okay. Big shout out to Louise for our intro outro music. That is off the path. Thanks, Louise. Thanks, Louise. All right. I think that's it um, for this week. Join us next week for something else new and exciting. We'll see. Ooh. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. Bye. Later. (laughs) I need to get an outro, damn it. (laughs) 